Hello and welcome to Leviathan News. Today is September 12th and we've got a special guest. Richard from Prisma Finance is here to help us walk through everything about Prisma and to talk about LSDs a bit. So Richard, welcome. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so I, I know you listened yesterday to our discussion with Colin and we were talking about this pre-show. And Prisma Finance, I guess we should start there. Like, what is Prisma and what are you guys trying to achieve with it? Yeah, okay. I didn't actually make it through the, uh, through the whole show, but... Uh, oh, it's I okay. It's it okay. Well, <laughs> so, I, can, yeah. I can always... I, I remember everything from yesterday, but don't worry about it. We can, we can just start with Prisma nice. and we'll work yeah. out from there. So, I mean, Prisma started... Uh, you've got a group of people who are familiar with liquidity. Uh, you see the market becoming the way it is, and you sort of get a picture of, um, you know, LSDs are becoming more mature. There's something where, uh, you know, obviously people are looking for a way to uh, free up their liquidity from these things. And so you're seeing a bunch of different protocols similar to Prisma have already launched and are launching. And I think they're trying to fit that uh, sort of product market place where, uh, people can find an area they're comfortable enough uh, lending their collateral and borrowing a stable coin where they can then use it somewhere to increase the yield on their LST. So that's basically what, what Prisma is, you know? And so it's a group of people who saw this, they understood liquidity, and they've sort of... Um, so the, the DAO part of Prisma, it's covered in our documentation, but that's obviously not something that happens in liquidity. And so that's sort of a big part of it. Um, in Prisma, you're going to be able to use... Uh, the governance uh, token to lock and to vote and to um, send emissions to different emission receivers. And that's sort of the main difference, I think, that you're going to find between our stablecoin MKUSD and LUSD uh, as a project. Okay, so maybe we could in like... Your... Oh, go ahead, Garrett. I was going to say, in your opinion, why are people like so excited about MKUSD when there's been a lot of uh, other stablecoins coming on the market? Um, it's great to hear that people are excited about it. I guess I haven't seen a lot of that, but I mean, honestly, uh, we had a cap. Um, and so uh, when we, Prisma did a guarded launch, it was about 11 days ago, um, there was a debt cap of 20 million MKUSD. And so there are obviously pools and places where you can deposit this. I think you can get 8% on in the, well, there's two different pools, curve and convex right now. I think it's 3% and 8%. So, you know, and I, suppose they're looking also at the Prisma point system. People are uh, looking to get a bit of an airdrop in the future. So there could be a little bit of that is exciting. The yield is exciting. I think that might be the reasons for now. Uh, and so if our debt caps increase this week, we can see exactly how deep that excitement goes. So can we talk about like the liquidity contracts themselves? Um, you know, there are immutable contracts which have been pushed out onto Ethereum. And there's there's not much that can actually be done at this point. I mean, there is nothing really. Like contracts exist and they're just going to live forever as an immutable uh, piece of code. Like how do you guys kind of balance the, the need for immutability with, I guess, long-term questions about the popularity or market dynamics of these LSDs where 
right now we have three incumbents at the top with Steth and Arith and Fraxith. But you know, five years from now, it could be a very different story about how that market dynamic is. Maybe there's some new entrants. Uh, maybe uh, there's a, a balancing out of uh, market share. Who knows, really? Uh, but how do you take that into account when building a, a like a, a smart contract-based stablecoin that's reliant on these LSTs? Do you just kind of have to pick one, or how do you future-proof it? Yeah, I mean, I guess I wouldn't say future-proof it, but the system is definitely flexible. And so with Prisma in the future, the Prisma DAO will be able to uh, list or add new collaterals to the system. And so this kind of is a big box here. Um, at the moment, we've launched with these collaterals that we have in the system right now, and it's a guarded launch, so there's dead caps. And those collaterals can be, you know, the dead cap will raise, and when the Prisma DAO launches, the DAO themselves will be able to propose to add other collaterals. And so the box that kind of opens there, I suppose, is the education of the people that are going to be using the system. And so we're trying to do uh, things like Prisma has partnered with Lama Risk to create this third party Prisma Risk team that will write reports about the different uh, LST protocols um, to provide sort of a framework where the future DAO will be able to make decisions and say, hey, uh, we can add this, um, but we need to add it with these parameters. Um, we need to you know, do a guarded launch if we're going to add these new uh, LSDs to the system. But we can also sunset collaterals. So collaterals can also be removed from the system. So I think that's where you get the flexibility to sort of future-proof uh, the system. But I mean, you never know what's going to happen in the future. So you know, it could end up being a bit like you know, initial liquidity, like as you've said before, it's going to live on forever and there could be people using it forever. Um, you know, in the future, there could be an evolution in Prisma 2. Not, not Prisma 2.0, but I mean, there could also be an evolution in Prisma where, you know, something new is required. But at the moment, we've tried to create something where the DAO mm -hmm. would be able to do, be flexible enough to handle new collaterals, to handle new sort of collateral ratios, to handle limits, to add and remove uh, collaterals from the system. That's pretty cool. Now, can we talk about the Prisma Risk team? Because I think that you and them have done an amazing job of analyzing these LSTs. I was really impressed with what I saw with the, the stake frac seeth Prisma Risk document. Honestly, it's, it's probably the most in-depth and complete risk assessment of the LSDs, like individual LSD assets that I've seen so far. Uh, maybe you can walk through the, um, how you guys put this all together and kind of how you put the uh, entire um, like risk analysis of both like liquidity and also security and then other uh, potential risks into these Prisma risk reports. Okay, thanks, Sam. That's actually a question I've never had to answer, and I actually wasn't part of that side of things, so I can't give you <laughs> a good answer for that. Um, I do know, like, from our side, it was sort of obvious that something like this was going to be necessary for making the DAO, and that's pretty much all I can say. I will have to get back to you on that because, yeah, I was not part of the, uh, the risk thing. But, I mean, like I said, it's sort of if you're going to give the responsibility to a group of people to make a decision, uh, this is sort of providing them with a framework to be able to compare and contrast and understand and uh, 
make a hopefully a more informed decision than they would obviously if we didn't have this um, but as a group they have something to sort of measure against when they're having discussions in our discord yeah so did you like looking at the prisma risk reports there's there's one for each of the decentralized lsds so stake fracture eth areth rapsteth and then also Coinbase, ETH, and, and Binance, Rap, Beacon, ETH. Did you include all, all of these? I know that the Rap's death, our ETH, and uh, State Fraxy are here, but did you include Coinbase, ETH, and Binance, Rap, ETH? Um, yeah, CV ETH is on, uh, but Binance is not. So uh, in, the launch, in terms of launch uh, collaterals. So you, I, you've read through all of these, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, did you learn mm -hmm. anything like interesting or uh, something that like popped up for you when you were going through these reports that you didn't, didn't know about the individual LSDs before? Um, not so much about the individual LSDs, but the biggest thing that hits me is the uh, struggle sort of to get a decent Oracle, you know? um, which is something that I know you guys talked about yesterday. Um, I think that's sort of one of the things that the smaller projects you know, are going to have to deal with uh, and find solutions. And so, you know, you do see new Oracle uh, possibilities or options out there. And again, so uh, for me, what I saw was, you know, how are, how will uh, a DAO look at this and say, hey, this is something that we're going to allow, or this is something that we're not going to allow. And so mm -hmm. I believe we have something coming with respect to that in the future, with respect to dealing with Oracles. So we'll uh, have an announcement hopefully soon. I'm not really exactly sure on the dates for that. Yeah. So just to go into the discussion that we were having yesterday with Colin about, uh, well, the actual liquidity V2, is that if you're going to include these LSDs, it doesn't matter which ones they are, uh, you're going to be having to add a, an Oracle to the, to the beacon chain. And that Oracle is going to have to pull different parameters that go into the risk profiles for each of these LSDs. Uh, mainly around like slashing conditions, like what happens if they get slashed? How do you how do you know that the collateral has been slashed, or what the actual value uh, based on the ETH that's staked inside these LSDs is? Uh, you you can't derive that completely from the application layer, and so there there has to be this additional uh, consensus oracle that needs to be built. So what did you like? How did you build that, and and what sort of parameters were you looking for when you built it? Um, and I can't really speak in terms of parameters there. I mean, for the most part, uh, and maybe this isn't the answer you're looking for, uh, we are looking to begin here with just that the team has, uh, or sorry, the LSD has a Chainlink Oracle working with their system. This mm -hmm. probably isn't the in-depth answer you're looking for, but uh, that's basically been our criteria for, for the start here. Well, I guess like long-term, would you, would you be deploying your own solutions or what will you be looking at for, for oracles? Would it just be like a chain link dependency for the long-term? Um, for the moment, uh, we, we definitely will not be putting out our own uh, solutions. Uh, we are looking at understanding the different uh, oracle solutions that there are out there. And at the moment, it's definitely just chain link. Um, but we, we, you know, we are getting the Prisma Risk team involved to sort of get ourselves an idea of how to evaluate these different Oracle solutions that other LSDs are using. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, maybe Garrett, you can dive into this a bit more, but Richard, I know that you guys had investors from both Convex and Curve uh, and I believe, I believe Frax as well too, right? Where 
Uh, all yeah. three of them came in and uh, invested into you. So like, how do you think those, those synergies and partnerships are going to work out in the long term for you? Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the things that I saw or we saw as a group as an opportunity um, in the beginning because you know, you're trying to pull, pull together a whole bunch of different uh, groups in, decentralized in the decentralized finance space. Um, and I guess you sort of want to make it so that, you know, we're all behind this effort. And so that's the sort of thing when you have these teams working with us, we're all behind this effort to try to make uh, to make this work and to find the solutions to provide this uh, extra yield to decentralized finance. So, you know, when you have other systems come in, other LSDs come in, you know, if I'm an LSD or protocol, I'm wanting to find some way to encourage more yield for my protocol. And so when you have Frax there or some of these other ones that we're talking to, uh, they, you know, it kind of behooves them to sort of look for this, to be able to compete at the moment with the type of returns you're getting in traditional finance. And I think sort of that comment earlier about trying to get liquidity back on chain, I don't think this is going to be, you know, the big solution that does it. But over time, I think as we get to more of a risk on profile, uh, these solutions will start to bring people, uh, bring funds liquidity back on chain. So I think, you know, you have to have these sort of anchored centralized finance protocols and the more the merrier working together to try to create more options for people because, you know, what you guys commented about yesterday using an LSD uh, instead of ETH is, you know, another little layer of risk that you have there. And so, you know, LUSD will always exist, you know, other options like Athena, which have different things going on as well, you know, that's going to provide a, a, a layer of risk that we won't have. And so I think, you know, you need to bring all of these people together. We need to sort of work to uh, provide a really comprehensive set of solutions for when things turn around and liquidity comes back here, or even to help encourage liquidity to come back on chain. So could you talk a bit about your plans for the curve wars? Are you planning to win the curve wars? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think we're planning to win the curve wars. I don't actually know what our plans are for the curve wars. So um, yeah, we haven't, uh, I haven't been part of that discussion if there is one. So, but I mean, the idea is obviously to, uh, provide an option for our stable coin uh, in these systems. So I don't know about winning the curve wars, but we definitely want to provide options for MKUSD. Yeah. How about just more generally the VE tokenomics layer that you're planning on kind of adding on top of this? I know that there's been some details about the Prisma token that aren't finalized. Um, so just wondering if you could talk about the overall contours of that. Yeah, this is kind of a part that's really exciting because it does provide some things that I think a lot of people will will enjoy in terms of like quality of life improvements. And this stuff is in our documentation and you can read about it. But essentially some of the things that provides, uh, you know, it'll be weekly voting. You're going to be voting, voting on emissions to different emissions receivers and users can lock as they do on a lot of these protocols. You can lock your tokens to get your V token and then you can vote here what is added to the system is permanently locking your tokens for the 52 week period, it's one year. Um, so you can permanently lock and you can set your votes and basically forget it and not have to worry every week about coming in and moving around. Obviously, you know, you can, you can unlock and have your locks unfreeze um, and you can change your votes every week. But for a lot of people, I think it'll be 
one less thing to worry about. So the quality of, quality of life uh, addition to this system, I think, is really important. But then also there's going to be a lot of places where people are going to be able to vote to send emissions that are different. It's a bit new. Um, I'm not sure that that's covered in the documentation, but we'll be announcing that uh, when the time is right. Got it. We got a question from uh, Ryan C. in the comments, who's one of our stalwart fans. He's here to uh, support, get some alpha. He's uh, done the support part, so now he's interested in knowing. When is the Prisma cap going to be raised? Any timelines that you can announce on that? Yeah, I think we'll be announcing that today. So it will. there will be a cap raise this week. So the date, the day will be nice. announced today, I think. Yeah. So... <clears throat> When it comes to like some of the long-term like product goals, uh, liquidity kind of gives you a base for these LSDs. Like, where where else do you think you guys can expand, and what's on the product roadmap? Um, yeah, where can we expand is an interesting question because, like, you've seen with LUSD that the system kind of encourages, you know, a good balance of the LUSD to be in the in the stability pool and in terms of where it's used elsewhere, it's a little bit difficult because it doesn't, uh, let's say, achieve um, a large enough scale to be used across different places. So personally, and this is just me, because as a team, I don't think we've really, we really know where it's going to go. Our options here right now are to raise the cap, sort of get as large of a TVL of MKUSD as we can, and then see how that can be used. Because ultimately, you're going to need a certain amount uh, in the stability pool of any sort of liquidity type system. Uh, you don't need to, but it happens. And then sort of work with other protocols to see where we can get it used in other places. That's going to be the goal moving forward, I suppose, once the caps are raised and once we see how this whole area evolves. You know, there's a lot of uh, LSD tokens that aren't being used in any of these systems at the moment. And so I think really we need to encourage and educate people sort of about how this works and, and how you can get out there. And I think that's part of moving forward. We have some other things that we'll be launching on the site that are gonna make it easier in terms of getting into the system and getting out of the system. And so that quality of life stuff makes it easier for people because it is daunting. Like the first time, I don't know if you guys remember the first time you went to Curve or the first time you were uh, LPing on Uniswap or wherever, you don't really know what you're doing. It's a bit sweaty hands. And so you want to provide uh, an onboarding process that is really easy for a lot of people. So I'm not sure if you know all of these LSDs that aren't using uh, the stable coin protocols at the moment, if it's because of that, if they're just waiting to see, you know, they're a bit worried about the market or how that system is. But we want to be ready so when that happens, you know, that TVL increase can come. And then from there, working with some of our partners and other things, see where we can grow and start using MKUSD outside of the system. Yeah, because I think that's one of the, you know, you brought it up about liquidity where uh, getting liquidity outside of the stability pool is difficult because most people just want to park it there. It's the easiest thing to do. And uh, I think a lot of people are probably like leveraging up a little bit using their liquidity. Uh, and so, you know, providing into the liquidity pool is a good option if you want to buy more ETH or uh, if you want to provide a bit of protection for yourself. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's one of the issues that I see also like liquidity as a, uh, metric for being able to swap in and out at size, uh, you know, L yeah, LUSD, Absolutely, yeah. yeah, LUSD is the most immutable stable coin, 
But when you look at, oh, hey, can I swap $10 million worth of USDC for LUSD? It's really hard to actually do that. Um, you'd probably have to do it over some time. And uh, the price execution may not be as close to one as possible. Uh, so th there definitely are trade-offs. And I think that's, that's kind of where you run the gamut, right? Like if typically the more decentralized something is, uh, the, the harder it is to figure out liquidity, right? Um, and, and the more centralized something is, the, the easier it is to, to find liquidity for uh, a stable coin. Um, now, hopefully some of these new projects might be able to like split the needle, but I, I do think it's really tough. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, you've seen this problem from, you know, the original wave of uh, algorithmic stable coins and other things, you know, the original idea behind, you know, some of the early ones, maybe basis or ESD and stuff was, okay, let's get a really big amount out there and then start getting it used. But it never really did leave the system. It was very reflexive. And so mm -hmm. here, you know, you'll have to see where that goes. I mean, it could very well be that these are just instruments that people use. Uh, similar to, you know, you know, sort of more complex things in traditional finance, you know, where you're going around and it becomes an ecosystem of different places where you can use your LSD tokens and there's an equilibrium reached in terms of, say, APRs or yield or whatnot between these different systems. As they get, let's say, you know, more Lindy, it's going to be a very short period of time, you know, hopefully for when, uh, you know, the market turns around. Um, it's not going to be 10, you know, several years. But, you know, as trust builds in these systems, it could be just that. It could be that, you know, a lot of the LSDs are moving around between these things looking for yield or APRs or whatnot. Mm -hmm. We'll have to see. Yeah. Any other exciting stuff that uh, you think that uh, you can already share uh, about uh, the upcoming European plans, the future, whatever, uh, Richard? Hey, um, yeah, not really that I can share. So um, pretty much the most important thing, I suppose, is, you know, the exciting thing is the debt cap, uh, the debt cap ceiling being raised at some point this week. Um, I think that's, that's really it. There's some other things that we have, uh, in the works, but we can't can't quite share that at the moment. So, is it is it possible? Oh, right, go ahead, Garrett. I was just going to say the comment section is buzzing, and uh, Pims the Bat Llama is uh, very impressed with your UI UX. So, good job in terms of design. Well, that's great. Thank you very Thank much. You. I'll pass that on to our our UI UX team. So I know they work pretty hard on that. So I was just thinking about the. Uh, the Fraxland pool that uh, tokenized its debt for the for Mitch's CRV position, uh, what like a month and a half ago now, is it possible to take the Prisma stability pool and pair it against something like CRV USD? Like, is the is the stability pool actually a, a stable token? Hmm. I'm not sure. I understand your question. Uh, so okay, so let me go back a little bit. Uh, when when Mitch was having some, I guess, questions raised about the the, the solvency of his debt, uh, and he started to do his OTC deals, um, and he was also being pressured quite heavily on like Ave, Fraxland, and uh, on Abracadabra. One of the th things that he did was create a a pair between CRV USD and then the Fraxland. Um, 
like debt token for his CRV position. And so the idea was that by incentivizing the liquidity between like an F like FRAX token is, is essentially the same as like a Aave A token or a compound C token. And, uh, you know, it, the, the price is steadily going up uh, over time, uh, but he paired it against CRV USD and then added emissions to it. So it could it could like draw in more liquidity there. But maybe this is almost like antithetical to what you guys want, which is which is less capital sitting in the in the stability pool and more uh, of the stablecoin actually out and being used outside of it. Um, so maybe there's better ways to incentivize liquidity uh, for for those who want to use uh, NKUSD. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I mean, it's sort of. Yeah, there's a balance there, right? You do want liquidity, obviously, in the stable pool. Um, at the same time, you want your token to be used. And so ultimately, I think it's going to come down to, well, as we discussed earlier, I think maybe size. You know, once we get a certain amount of size that it's able to deal with, uh, handle, you know, certain market fluctuations, then we might see things moving around. But I think the other point there is, I guess you would need the stability token deposits to be tokenized, right? Is that sort of what you were getting at? And so I don't think they are, right? And so. Uh -huh. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if they could be tokenized, then they could be paired against CRV USD and help increase liquidity there. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting idea. I'm not sure it could work that way, but I'm sure there's a way that you could do it. I have to think about it a little bit, making me think about redemptions and stuff too. So yeah. um, not really exactly sure how that would work, but it could be an interesting idea to, to investigate. Yeah. So one last question from the chat. This concerns the llamas. You gonna throw the llamas anything uh, extra? Throw the llamas anything extra? Wait, where are the llamas? Uh, this yeah, is the win llamas <laughs> NFT. <laughs> ah, okay. Actually, uh, I can't comment any stuff like that. So, yeah. Of course not. Of course. Oh not. yes, uh -huh. no comment on that one. That's good. Uh, well, Richard, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, you can stay on and help us reply guy if you want to. We got a bunch of stuff to work through. Um, elsewise, thanks for coming and giving this interview about Prisma. Okay, thank you very much. I'll stick around a bit. Okay, great. Uh, so I wanted to start with a story that was just posted. Uh, the Republican appointed Hester Peirce came out and said that the US government needs to remember who it represents when dealing with these issues. Uh, specifically, this probably goes to toe about the CTFC decision uh, that came out last week where the commissioners proceeded with an enforcement action uh, without really taking comment and uh, essentially just levying, in, levying enforcement against uh, a, a very like gray area uh, that doesn't actually have clear legislation yet. I find that headline very funny because the U.S. government knows who it represents, which is sort I don't of think like so. a no. It's just like a sort of narrow interest of like special interest groups mm. that like support and prop yeah. up like politicians, the government, right? That's who the okay. government represents, and they do a pretty good job of it. Like a small fry like me, like <laughs> I vote. Uh, that's like the extent that they uh, care about me is winning my vote. Yeah, but a vote is just like a small piece of the process. Uh, unfortunately, yes, that's how it works. Uh, in, in funner news, I guess, 
yesterday it came out that there is a quote unquote civil war happening inside the Malades. And uh, apparently one of the uh, Ramila Corporation LLC like workers had stolen a million dollars from Bonkler and then also uh, tried to take over some of the social media accounts. Uh, the Ramila Corporation CEO, Krishna Akandiar, uh, took him to court and is actually suing for damages now and control back. Uh, when the documents actually came out, people did some digging and found out that Charlotte Fang, aka Krishna Akandiar, is a or like is employed at Palantir Technologies as a research analyst. And for those that don't know, Palantir is a like data collection company uh, that has its fingers in everything. And also their CEO looks like an actual Bond villain. Peter Thiel? No. Uh, the, Alex Karp is his name. I'll bring up a, uh, a picture. But he, he, he looks kind of... Here we go. This guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, looks like an actual Bond villain. <laughs> uh, but I believe that he does have connections to Peter Thiel and also... Uh, he also has connections to Elon as well, too. So Palantir, one of the quieter companies that has huge influence in Silicon Valley. Yeah, I don't know much about Palantir's actual operations, just that I used to work in like the heart of Palo Alto and Palantir was buying up all the real estate. So I got to see all sorts of people wearing their like they have like this like Hobbit themed culture. Right. So they like really like like you see people walking around with, like all this like Hobbit gear. Um, because they're like just fitting in with the Palantir culture. <laughs> so. well, what do you think about a Milady being one of the feds? So I'm reminded to like a year or two ago when people were saying that um, there's like this news article that came out that said that like a number of three letter agencies had actually secretly infiltrated crypto. And no one was like, quite sure what they were talking about. Like they're like saying, is it inverse bra? Is it like DJ Spartan? Like who's the fed in the group? Uh, it's so funny that it's like actually the like counterculture milady group that ends up being the one that uh, might be a psyop. Yeah, exactly. Well, it must be right. It has to be. So Charlotte Fang. I own I own one milady. So full disclosure, I'm makes me part fed. <laughs> Charlotte Fang came out and said that a developer who worked at Bonkler uh, took steps to do, or that allowed him to take one million dollars in Ramila's generated fees. Uh, they said everything is el everything else is fine. So the main contract, the NFTs, uh, only the revenue was compromised, and they've temporarily paused Bonkler's daily mint and will revive it once they get their uh, V2 upgrade done. And all other Ramila NFTs metadata domains remain secure, and does not affect the sanctity of existing Bonklers. They also took back the Kobe. So something was happening internally. And it looks like they've got it all under control. But, you know, definitely looks like a, a Yuga Labs setup now. <laughs> exactly. And Matt we also know me. Elon's a fan of Miladies, so the more, uh, more twists and threading it all together, right? Oh, yeah, that's right. That is right. Yeah.
Yeah, what do we even know about this whole Milady drama? Maybe it's just the tip of the iceberg what we're getting now. I wonder, like, no, they actually, so some people uh, I said were, like, questioning, like, was it a PSYOP? And they just were, like, posting fake documents. But then somebody actually, like, looked it up in Pacer, and the documents were actually real, and it was a, a, an actually filed uh, court complaint. And aren't the Miladies at war with Bored Apes? So is this like a secret like way the CIA is trying to take down Bored Apes or something? <laughs> Wait, so the Bored Apes are actually the underground uh, project? That's no, how it works? No, 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 no. Where's our, uh, our, our tinfoil hat? There's a tinfoil hat. Let's get the... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there we go. Conspiracy cast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. Miladies are the culture. Okay. Uh, MetaMask is also get... going to be... Uh, opening its EVM ecosystem and allowing connection to like Cosmos, Solana, and Starknet. That's pretty cool. Yeah, hmm. quite big to be honest. To be able to use uh, MetaMask, I think it can really open a lot of uh, new users to to using these uh, other networks. Definitely uh, myself, know. for example. Except didn't all the MetaMask users use the rage quit option? So there's no more MetaMask users? <laughs> I, I, what's your guys' view on MetaMask? I don't use it anymore, to be honest. No? You switched to the Robbie or Rainbow or yeah, something? Yeah, I like Robbie. Yeah. I'm hearing great stuff about Rabi. I'm very uh, conservative. I'm still using uh, MetaMask, but I am getting all kinds of uh, pressures to start using uh, the Rabi one. From uh, honestly, from people I really uh, respect their opinion and uh, admire. I, up till now, I've only heard good stuff about uh, Rabi. I guess I don't really like uh, changes that much. You know, once you're used to something, uh, you always feel like, in a way, safest to keep uh, using it. But it's uh, only an illusion. I don't feel yeah, I probably should, I probably... lindy, lindiness yet, to be honest. Like, I'm worried about keeping no. so much of my net worth in there. Like, if I got hacked, I'd lose 20 bucks and I'd be out in the streets. So, <laughs> well, thankfully, I'd like to have a few more years. Thankfully, if you have a Grid Plus wallet, uh, it can connect to both. And I believe some of the other hardware wallets do as well. Uh, we also see like TriFrame is another option as well, too. I tried it, didn't oh. like it. Yeah. Well, yeah, why? It wasn't why didn't connecting you like to it? a lot of sites. It was having trouble connecting to a lot of sites that I use. Uh, Rabi, like the connection, I almost never have a problem. Uh, and then on top of it, like the the desktop like mouse over thing never quite worked for me. So it was like never, never in the right spot when I needed it. I mm. did like the the toolbar having gas from Frame, uh, showing the gas price in my like toolbar. That was nice. Okay, so yesterday, Banana Gun launched. Banana Gun is a competitor to Unibot and had been eagerly awaited by the community. They had allowed 800 people to come into the presale, or like 800 ETH, and it went live. And within an, a few minutes of it going live, the, the team actually found out that there was a bug that they in the contract that they cannot hop fix. They said, despite there being two audits, uh, there was a bug with the sell taxes, which allows people to sell their bags without actually the tax tokens being transferred to the destination address. So they said they're going to sell the treasury wallet to drain the LP, and then they're going to relaunch ASAP. 
Well, that was just the beginning of the story. People were perplexed, to say the least. And they went to go look at the code. And they found some interesting stuff. Actually, they didn't even have to look at the code. There were some people who went and took the banana gun uh, like code base and dropped it in the chat GBT and chat GBT actually told them, Hey, there's some problems here. But this we know is, who did the this, audit. Uh, nobody reputable because they didn't actually look at the contracts. So here's the, the chart for banana gun, just straight up and down. Like within an hour, it was, it was totally rugged. So I don't think it's launched again yet. I mean, it seems that the team is pretty incompetent for like launching a token where they, they, they had these really basic code base issues. Um, we'll see how it goes when it relaunches. How, how can you audit uh, something without looking at the, the contract exactly? The, not, not that I'm an auditor, but uh, you know, isn't it kind of an absurd uh, thing? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? I think it was a certic audit. I just, I, I would laugh so hard if it ended up being certic. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't even it think. Was some, uh, it was some. Yeah, some, Celtic would, uh, wouldn't have let that pass, even Celtic, in my opinion. Yeah. Honestly, like, it, like somebody ran it through ChatGBT and found the issue. I saw this in Lobsters that they. They they didn't even have to look that far. They just plugged the code in. The code told them that oh hey, it wasn't going to transfer the the tax out. Well, insane! Literally, how uh, you know this this whole thing was uh, pretty much like riding on the Unibot success. I think if I understood it correctly, and people just you know they always like to see the upcoming uh, competitor and uh, feel sure that uh, you know this is the next thing we're gonna play it big. Yeah, make it all back in one trade and all that uh, kind of vibe. And I really think that you know it's not as simple as uh, some people I guess uh, guess or hope. Yeah. So we also had a announcement from Insert saying they are launching perpetual mints so they can turn anything on chain into a moonshot opportunity. Uh, DeFi Advisor, you know more about this, right? Just a bit more. I, I just uh, I want to talk to these guys uh, soon, but I didn't really have the time to do it. But I do think that, you know, these kinds of new uh, upcoming games with NST, basically what I understand from this, and please, uh, people in the chat or, when I, or wherever, correct me if I'm wrong, this is going to actually allow people to... Uh, to mint and to kind of have like a, add, add a gamble aspect to their mint where they might earn a lot of uh, stuff or just, you know, lose the the guest fees. And again, I was just walk, uh, going over it really quickly. So feel free to correct me if uh, necessary. And definitely we'll uh, try to check with the insert guys because personally, you know, I'm very much attracted to all these kind of... Uh, to this new NFT narratives, which are not as, uh, just like with the previous cycles, only the 10,000 collectible stuff and whatever. I really think that uh, NFT will be the intersection between DeFi and NFTs and all kinds of this uh, like funny uh, use cases and fun ones when people can actually earn a lot of stuff. I think it's gonna be uh, the next, uh, you know, big NFT uh, jump. And yeah. I think this kind of stuff, like insert, uh, really uh, like supports that uh, narrative. 
So another thing that happened was that Uniswap has added automatic detection for tax tokens. Apparently, tax tokens have been erroring out more than any other type of transaction through Uniswap. And for the sad, sad people who aren't using aggregators yet, uh, this will be a definite upgrade because now it's going to read the token and find out how much tax you actually have to pay to make the minimum amount of swaps. So I'm sure you've all done it where you were trading like a six, seven, eight percent tax token. And then you go back to trade something normal and you forget to turn it off. And all of a sudden now you're going to get sandwiched pretty badly as you've set your slippage too high. Uh, hasn't happened to me. I'm lucky on that front. I yeah. Don't generally trade. Uh, <laughs> I don't trade too often though. So I'm a, I'm a bad degen. Oh, okay. <laughs> what about you deep advisor? Did that ever happened to you? Uh, it probably happened to me and I don't even know. <laughs> uh, you know? Yeah, wouldn't, me too. Wouldn't... <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just one of those things where like you just forget it. It's such a, like, it's like deep inside of the Uniswap settings it's like three clicks and if you just leave it and then forget about it and come back you know sometimes you set it really high like 20 percent even and then you get really really wrecked <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm usually you know much more uh, like uh, basic on that kind of stuff uh, but uh, for sure like this is exactly the kind of stuff uh, that can uh, probably happen and by the way uh, Garrett doesn't uh, using like something like a uh, rabbi uh, like t put puts the risk of doing all this kind of stuff uh, much less so they have some good security features uh, they make you like check off a number of like warning settings before you interact with things like an unknown contract uh, they give you the site popularity when you connect your wallet so you can have a sense if you're connecting to a real site or a scam site uh, the other thing that they do is they like when you're making any transaction, it's very clear about the outcome of the the expected outcome of the transaction in terms of what tokens you will receive and what tokens you'll give up. So it's like a good common sense way of checking. Uh, so they do a good job. I'm actually wondering if Uniswap Labs is the head of uh, DeFi Llama's swap aggregator here. I don't know if uh, uh, Llama Swap accounts for tax tokens. That's a good point. I'll have to check. <clears throat> So one last story that we can wrap up on, and Richard, this one's actually for you, is that you guys published about the Prisma Point system yesterday, and I, I don't think we talked about this in the interview. So maybe you could walk us through the Prisma Point system and how it's going to be integrated with the, the Guarded launch. Hey, yeah, so for the moment, we are tracking certain actions in the system and calculating points from that system. And these will be used in the future for, you know, some special things that will happen in the DAO. Um, I think we'll be announcing something a little bit more about that today or tomorrow. So I might just leave it here, but yeah, I mean, there's something going on there where uh, if you are, have a position in Prisma, you should see a little uh, button top right if you're on desktop. And I believe on mobile, it's in the uh, hamburger menu. And so if you click on that, you'll see your Prisma points. And those are just calculated based on certain actions and things that you've done in the Prisma system. Nice. Well, that's cool. Um, I like points. And I think everybody else likes points as well, too. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, that graphic is nice, too, right? Honestly, you guys have some great uh, artwork. 
Uh, I really think that you're nailing it on that front. Like a great color palette, very noticeable. It's like I've never heard about Prisma for such a long uh, time, and all of a sudden it's like it's always been there. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's really nice the work that, uh, that these guys are putting out. So it's always great to see different proposals they have. It's just, it's just amazing. So yeah, it's really great to hear. I'll pass that on to the, to the, to the design team. So today is also the announcement of the iPhone 15. Apparently, you can save one gram by switching to the new version. You guys excited? Do you watch these, these live streams? No, but I like that they're I'm measuring conflicted. it like a drug dealer. <laughs> what about you richard yeah i'm a bit conflicted i wouldn't mind picking up a new one but then i'm seeing everybody saying you know iphone 16 might be the might be the thing so it's exciting you know if they do launch something sort of new uh, you know if you're a developer or whatever like some great new hardware is always nice um but yeah kind of excited to see if there's anything new but it seems like there might not be anything too exciting so fingers crossed but yeah, we'll see. it looks like they're going to be adding a like a six x optical zoom to the to the new iPhone. But I think the I think they've probably hit the the limits of what they can do within the the body that they have with getting it to the size that they want and also having the components in there as well too. Probably there's probably not a ton more optimizations that they can eke out as seen by like the difference being like one gram. In between here and it looks almost exactly the same in shape uh, so it's probably internals and other additions that uh, will be noticeable probably chipset ram hard drive that sort of stuff i'm on an old iphone se so like i literally do not care about phones <laughs> how old is your phone garrett uh, I got as a hand-me-down from some of my family that was concerned my other phone was even older. I literally don't care about phones. Like no one's going to sim swap <laughs> me because they didn't want to be associated with it. <laughs> what, what did you have before? I like iPhone six before or something. And uh, oh wow, did you, were you a flip phone guy? <laughs> I, I'm I'm dying for the BlackBerry to come back. Until phones have keyboards, like I don't care about phones because I can't type on these stupid things. <laughs> <laughs> It's good. <laughs> I saw BlackBerry yeah, stock pump the other day, guy. so maybe, 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 maybe I get some good luck coming. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Well, this is going to wrap it up for today, Richard. Thank you so much for being here. It real, real quick excited. before we yeah, uh, thanks a lot, you guys. Mm -hmm. Before we close, I feel like I should issue a disclosure because, uh, like, for the first time, I'm interviewing someone that's in a project I invested in. Um, so, like, just full transparency, like, I am one of the investors in Prisma's round at like the smaller size so i might probably biased you can read all my disclosures on my blog curve.substack.com and of course now this financial advice which applies to all of our shows which we really should be saying every time <laughs> yeah, when i think yeah. about it should we i thought it was yeah <laughs> maybe we shouldn't we, we should maybe we should just say it's not advice of any kind you know and not uh, leave the financial stuff out well full disclaimer you should you should uh, consider us your registered financial advisor. And we're going to go. prison. There you go. Prison cast. We'll be with SBF soon. <laughs> God uh, so, so Richard, thank you so much for being here. Actually, everybody else tuning in at home, thank you, everyone. Uh, we love you being here. And we will see everybody tomorrow.
All right. Thanks Goodbye, a lot, folks. You guys, Bye. and uh, everybody listening.